Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And what we've been doing lately is doing destination-specific interviews. Uh, so we recently interviewed Alvaro from Peru. We interviewed Herman from Colombia. And we actually interviewed um, Patty in Iceland. Uh, so today we have the pleasure of interviewing uh, Pollyanna, who's actually in Brazil. And uh, she's a friend of one of our previous podcast guests. Simon Lewis, uh, who's a buddy of mine, and uh, he connected uh, us to Pollyanna. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to meet because uh, we were in Sao Paulo, and Pollyanna is a couple of hours uh, outside, but she was super helpful giving us advice and tips about Brazil. Uh, so when I thought of who to interview about Brazil, she was the first person to come to mind. Uh, so we're going to be asking Pollyanna about um, sightseeing in Brazil. I mean, uh, what to see, what not to see, what to focus on, uh, how to stay safe, how to uh, you know communicate with the locals with the lack of language if you're uh, coming in without any Portuguese. So we'll be asking her a lot of questions about traveling in Brazil. Uh, she's also a, a travel agent, so if you are coming, uh, she'd definitely be able to help you with any uh, tours, sightseeing, accommodation, transport, etc. So Pollyanna, uh, to start off with, why don't you uh, share a little bit about yourself, your background, and what made you so passionate about travel? Sure. Um, uh, I guess we should start with, um, I'm Brazilian born, but American raised, um, hence the very American accent. <laughs> um, and in my time in the US, I did not travel so much. Um, but I grew up in a very Brazilian community. So in a city where there are a lot of Brazilian immigrants. And so I was always very connected to my culture. Um, and then after, after college, after university, I decided to move back to Brazil. And since I've been here, I've pretty much fallen in love with the country and tried to travel as much as I can inside Brazil. Um, I, I've also had an opportunity to travel to other parts of the world. Um, but when I considered quitting my job and starting my own com company um, in my mid-20s, what what really, what I feel, felt I was really passionate about was um, my home city, where I was living at the time, um, which was Sao Paulo. And I wanted people to visit Sao Paulo, and I wanted to figure out how to get people to visit Sao Paulo. So I um, joined up with a sort of a franchise content network, and um, we launched the Sao Paulo site for this network. It doesn't exist anymore. Um, so, but in that time, I made a lot of connections with tourism and the travel industry. And so I thought what I need to do is start a travel company. Um, and with the, world's upcoming, with the upcoming World Cup at the time, um, I decided, well, why don't we just focus on all of Brazil? <laughs> um, and so I got to learning about the travel industry and um, traveled to different parts of Brazil I hadn't been to before. I was in Rio once a month for a whole year. Um, and that's just sort of how it all got started and how I got into the business. Awesome. Uh, great backstory there. I'd love to know about how did you end up in the, the U.S. and which part were you living in and how long did you stay there when you moved from Brazil to the U.S.? Um, well, my parents immigrated there when I was two years old. Um, we lived in Connecticut for most of my life. Uh, my parents are still in Connecticut and I went to university in the state of Rhode Island. 
So uh, what made you come back? I mean, a lot of people who leave Brazil, uh, they never come back. I mean, they might come back to visit family and friends and, uh, you know, their occasional vacation, but uh, you come back and resettle. So uh, tell us more about uh, the reasoning behind that. Well, I graduated at a time where the U.S. economy wasn't doing so great and the Brazilian economy, economy was doing pretty good. <laughs> um, after I graduated, I worked at a think tank in Washington, D.C., and I worked with a lot of businesses here in Brazil. It was a Latin America think tank. And I just got that itch <laughs> um, to leave and to uh, experience something new. And it worked. <laughs> Today I, I can uh, happily say that I, en I enjoy living here more than I do in the US. Yeah, there's probably advantages and disadvantages no matter where you live. I, I'm sure yeah. that, uh, you know. I think uh, you have to. You have, right there as well. Yeah, you have to make compromises and see what's more important to you. And I think the the quality of life um, that we have in Brazil um, is a little bit more laid back. We're we're we say here that we're poor but we're happy <laughs> um and so i think that it fit my personality a little better sounds good uh so uh for those people who want to go to brazil they might have obviously seen the world cup and the olympics and uh, maybe even seen uh, my all these uh, posts about social media uh, and now they're interested in going to brazil but they have no idea where to start because brazil is actually one of the uh, you know, I think this is like the seventh biggest country in the world or something. It's quite big in terms of traveling, um, um, especially if you're trying to over travel over land. It's very, very, very difficult, as we found out. Uh, going yeah. all the way from the south to the north took us um, uh, quite a few overnight buses. Uh, so if people wanted to visit Brazil, what would you say are the highlights, the must-sees in the country? Um, sure. Well, I guess... For anyone coming to Brazil, and this is all this is a no-brainer. Everyone goes to Rio, <laughs> um, and I mean it's. I, I'm not going to say it's overrated because it's not because Rio is wonderful and it's beautiful. And um, if you go to the right places and you see the right attractions, not I'd say go to Rio, but don't do just Christ the Redeemer and Sugarloaf and all of those main attractions. Try to get a little bit into the nooks and crannies of the city and you'll have a bigger appreciation for it. Um, but I also think that um, a couple of the bigger attractions that, um, that I do recommend people experience is Foz do Iguaçu, more known as Iguaçu Falls, and the Amazon. Having an Amazon experience in Brazil is um, quite transformative, I would say, for a lot of people. And um, it's just, one of those places where it's sort of a bucket list destination, I would say even more so than Rio for most of our clients. Um, and I guess those are, would be our top three. They're also the top three that most people look for. But like you said, Brazil is a huge country. So we really do have everything for anyone, for you know any sort of activity. I mean, the, the country has five biomes. <laughs> um, so if you want to go to one of the most beautiful beaches in the world, then we can do a trip to Fernando de Noronha that has two, of, two or three of the top beaches in the world. 
um, if you want to go hiking and see mountains. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize or appreciate that we have in Brazil. It's, it's a huge country. We don't have just the coastline. There are mountains all over the country. There's, um, there are lakes. There are waterfalls. There's um, just an incredible amount of fauna and flora that you can experience here. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I had no idea what to expect. I'd obviously heard about Rio and I'd, um, you know, heard about Iguazu and the Amazon. But other than that, I didn't know much about Brazil until I got there. And I'll share a little bit about the itinerary we did. And then uh, Pollyanna will share, um, you know, maybe ideas for a shorter trip. We did six weeks. Uh, we flew from uh, South Africa where we were and uh, we flew into Sao Paulo. And then we did pretty much everything overland. So I'll uh, share the, the journey. About four days in Sao Paulo, and then we took an overnight bus uh, to Iguazu Falls. And then mm -hmm. we spent about three or four days in Iguazu Falls doing the waterfalls on both sides, um, mm -hmm. Brazilian and Argentinian side. Then we actually crossed over to Paraguay, uh, just to say we have been to a new country. Uh, that was a little day trip. And then from there, um, uh, we actually went all the way south to Porto Alegre, and then we volunteered in an orphanage there in uh, uh, Bonario, um, uh, bon Campo, something like that, in, uh, near Porto Alegre. And then from there, we went to Florianopolis, um, the really, really beautiful island. We rented a car and... Uh, I love Florida. <laughs> and then from up there, from Florianopolis, we went to Bonario Camperio. I can never pronounce it properly, but uh, I call it BC for short. Uh, visited a friend over there. Um, and then from there, we went to uh, Curitiba. And then from Curitiba, we went to Rio. Uh, obviously, uh, Rio was amazing. We spent about uh, a week to 10 days there um, doing those things you mentioned, Christ the Redeemer, Sugarloaf. Um, but more than that, we went to a favela, stayed overnight there um, in uh, Rosina, Rosina favela. And then from there, we went to Vitoria, uh, where we did a day trip there, and then from there to Salvador. And this is all overland still. From Salvador, we went That's to... Uh, <laughs> yeah, she is. She's amazed. So from uh, Salvador, we went to, um, um, I'm trying to remember after that, uh, Salvador to Recife. Recife. You, kn you knew it, exactly. So <laughs> it's not Recife. The R is silent. So it's Recife. And then from there, we went um, to Natal. And then from Natal to Fortaleza. And then at Fortaleza, that's the first time we had this big decision to make. Uh, should we go overland to Manaus or should we fly? And that was the first time we ended up finally flying because it was going to be too crazy to get <laughs> remote. Um, so we ended up flying to Manaus, did the Amazon um, for four days, three nights. And it was an amazing experience. I mean, like you said, life-changing. Uh, we did one night uh, in a jungle camp, one night in a homestay in a local's village with no electricity, no running water, uh, just a homestay. And then finally, we slept in the jungle in hammocks. And uh, that is something I don't think I'll do again because I got mosquito bites and it was very scary in the middle of the jungle but it was a cool experience and then from there we went um out of um manaus and then we went to french guyana suriname guyana etc so that was my trip in a nutshell and i i love brazil i keep raving to people how great it is and uh, it's very family friendly people are super hospitable to us with uh, we traveled with three kids and yeah mm -hmm. i'm a big advocate of tourism in brazil and that's why when i had a chance to interview Pollyanna, i was like let's uh um, inspire people to travel there. So obviously my trip's longer than the typical trip. Um, mine was six weeks. So Pollyanna, what would you recommend um, for someone who maybe has a shorter time, maybe 10 days to two weeks, which is a typical, you know, like a, maybe a US or a Canadian or a European vacation, except mm -hmm. if you're German, then you have a bit longer, but around two weeks or so. <laughs> what would you recommend doing? 
Yeah, um, yeah. We usually see with uh, North American travelers that they do about seven to ten days, and then European travels travelers will do ten to fourteen days. Um, I would say if you're staying for about a week to ten days, you can do a lot just staying in the south in the southeast part of the country. Um, so that would be landing in Sao Paulo or Rio, and then doing those respective cities. And then you can do by car and boat um, from Rio, for example. You can go down to um, Ilha Grande, which is just a couple of hour drive and then a short half hour boat ride. And there you can do the sort of remote beach type experience. <laughs> Travel down a little further south to Parachi, which is a historic village also on the coast. And then drive through the beaches in Sao Paulo, which are really beautiful, up to the city of Sao Paulo, and then fly from Sao Paulo to Foz do Iguaçu. So you can do um, you know, the sort of beach vacation, and then also between Rio and Sao Paulo, if you're more of a mountainous or hiking type person, there are also cities in the, there are also towns in the middle of the route from Rio to Sao Paulo, where you can do sort of like hikes to waterfalls and just nice views of the hills and cooler weather as well if you're trying to get away from Rio's 40 degrees. Right um, from Fazza. Uh, Pollyanna, are you still there? We uh, seem to have lost uh, Pollyanna for a little bit. I'm going to keep talking here until we get her back. <laughs> Pollyanna. <clears throat> anyway, um, so I'm going to share a little bit about my uh, favela experience. Um, so obviously you might have heard about favelas from the media. Um, I think I lost you. My screen just froze. You froze. Haha. <laughs> okay. Uh, she's going to join again. Okay. Uh, just got a little message from her. Uh, so, um, uh, I, I stayed in a favela in Rosina in Rio de Janeiro, and it was very unique. Um, I'd heard about favelas from things like the media and uh, the Olympics, uh, World Cup, etc. Uh, and this was our chance to actually see the favela in person. So we actually stayed in the favela overnight. Uh, you can do day trips. You can just do a, like a two-hour or four-hour walking tour or even drive through the favela. Uh, you can take a subway to the favela and then uh, go through it. But we decided to stay overnight to really savor what a favela was all about. And uh, it's not dangerous at all. I mean, we were walking around uh, with the kids, and we had a guide to show us where to go, where not to go. Uh, but it's not what you see on the media and all with the gangs and people trying to rob you or mug you. It is pretty much like a small town, self-contained town with everything you need, from shopping to grow, uh, um, to um, dentists, to doctors, to haircutters, to restaurants, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it looks like Pollyanna's back. I was just sharing about my favela experience. Um, so before we got interrupted, Pollyanna, do you want to uh, finish up what you were saying? I'm not sure where I lost you. <laughs> uh, just keep going until uh, you mentioned Foz Iguazu, and then um, I think we got cut after Foz Iguazu. So you want to keep sharing from there on? Um, did you catch where I talked about the the drive from Rio to Sao Paulo? Yes, yes, yes. We caught that. Okay. That, yeah. So that was it for a seven to ten day trip. 
trip. And then if you want to add a few more days, then I would definitely go to the Amazon for, like you said, four days, mm. three nights is mm. perfect. And I'll be honest, you were very courageous to sleep in the jungle. <laughs> we stayed, when I went um, last year, I was all set to sleep in a hammock in the jungle. And then the day that we, we were staying at the lodge in the jungle, but the day that we were supposed to sleep outside, we saw a huge snake. <laughs> and we just said, we're not sleeping outside with that thing. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, uh, I've heard from everyone who does the experience that it is that it's a very interesting experience. Some people absolutely love it. Yeah, there are definitely a lot of bugs, um, like spiders and cockroaches <laughs> and snakes and monkeys and much, much, much more. And uh, that's part of the experience. But uh, uh, yeah, definitely, it was scary in some degree because um, we saw a whole bunch of spiders everywhere, and I, uh, you know. Even though we're in a hammock, you never know if the spider could get in. Uh, we had a mosquito okay. nets and stuff like that. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was definitely one of the highlights. Um, uh, yeah, I think uh, you pretty much nailed it on the head there. Uh, Rio de Janeiro, Iguazu, and um, Amazon. And I really like the Northeast. I mean, uh, uh, mm -hmm. it's kind of the cultural heart of Brazil with uh, African uh, Africans who uh, came there and now they've uh, uh, developed a whole unique Afro-Brazilian culture. Yeah, you see a lot of that, especially in Bahia. Um, mm -hmm. So you, you mentioned that you were in Salvador. Um, <clears throat> they have a very Afrocentric culture in Salvador. And it's interesting because <clears throat> uh, Bahia isn't so far off from Pernambuco, where you were when you went to Recife. And Pernambuco has a completely different culture um, because they had more of a they just had different influences in their cultures. They weren't, they're not as Afrocentric as Bahia, for example. So where you have, um, you know, capoeira and the drumming from Bahia, when you go to Recife, there are different musical styles, like frevo, where you have a lot of brass instruments. And there's also their own particular um, type of music, which is maracatu, which you hear a lot there too. So the the cool thing about the northeast too is that you can go from one state to the other and you'll get completely different cultures in each state um and people who look completely different from one another and the food is different it's mostly seafood but you get the different flavors and the food as well so a cool trip if you have more time is just to do the whole northeast there's a there's a really interesting route that we that um, a lot of people ask for which is called Hota das emoções, which loosely translated pretty much means the emotional root or the root full of emotions. Um, because you go from the Lençóis Maranhenses in San Luis, which is, I think that's probably another thing that you may have missed out on. <laughs> um, but it's this oasis in the, the, the state of Maranhão where you get natural pools of rainwater that are there for most of the middle of the year. Um, and then you go to the dunes through using buggies and some people hike through the dunes, that sort of thing. But you start there and then you do the whole coastline and the delta um, in between uh, all the way to Fortaleza, which you already went to. So it's, and it's done mostly in uh, like Jeeps. So you're driving on the beach actually. Um, and so that's a that's a really cool trip to do too, and you can do that from seven to twelve days as well. 
So if you have another week or so, that's something cool too, because you can also do a little bit more of the beaches and um, the lane size. You know, uh, it is such a remarkable, remarkable country. And uh, there was so much, like uh, you mentioned, those uh, Dune area and San Luis, which is a UNESCO site. And then even mm -hmm. the Pantanal, I wanted to go there. And I wanted to go to the yeah. capital, Brasilia. But we had to make a decision because uh, it was either go interior or go coastal. And we stuck to the coast. Uh, yeah. But I know I'll be back and I'll, I'll see the places I didn't see on this trip. Yeah. And then we can help you with that. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Pollyanna, um, you know, a lot of people are uh, have fears. Um, uh, when I was going to Rio with my wife and kids, people thought we were crazy taking kids to Rio because they were like, well, what about the beaches and what about mugging and don't pull your phone out and um, don't walk around at night and all these fear mongering, I call it. And um, it actually, even though I have a thick skin and uh, I'm a pretty positive person, uh, because of everyone saying it's so dangerous, it, uh, and even the Brazilians were saying it was dangerous too. It actually got me scared before I arrived. But on our first day in Sao Paulo, we were able to walk around and we we're like, you know, it is safe. I mean, uh, obviously there's sketchy areas that you can avoid, like parks at night and, yeah. uh, you know, like just be street smart. But uh, we found it much safer um, than what people were projecting onto us. So uh, what would you say about safety concerns? Because I think um, if there were no safety concerns, probably Brazil would have even a bigger a tourist market so tell us more yeah you mentioned that Brazilians told even Brazilians told you that it was dangerous I think um, Brazilians have this big this big um, we have this we have to keep up our image <laughs> and so we have this thing we'll prefer to tell people to just not do something so they can keep that good image of the place um, instead of diving deep and learning more about the destination or going to a different place, even if it is a little bit sketchy. Um, so even in Sao Paulo, I haven't mentioned Sao Paulo yet, but Sao Paulo is, in, is a wonderful city um, to, to visit. And um, there are parts of Sao Paulo that I know a lot of people who are from Sao Paulo have never been to, but they're some of the most beautiful parts of the city, like the downtown part of the city that has gorgeous architecture. Um, and they'll tell tourists not to go there because it's dangerous, mostly because, I mean, you have a lot of homeless people in that part of the city. Um, and people are unfortunately afraid of seeing homeless people. Um, and I think that, you know, Brazilians do have this sort of thing where they're like, oh, no, it's not pretty there, so don't go there. Or <laughs> um, but I would say, and it's what I usually tell most of my clients, act like you're in any major city in the world when you come to Brazil. Um, you know, don't have your phone um, out all, you know, don't like, or don't text and walk, I, uh, <laughs> uh, which is what a lot of people, um, I mean, it happens where you're texting and walking and then some, and then you'll get robbed. Um, but it's not common. I've been in Brazil for almost 10 years and I've never been mugged. Um, and I've never actually seen violence in front of me. And I've lived in Sao Paulo for nine of those years. And Sao Paulo is supposed to be one of the most dangerous cities. Um, don't go out at night into certain places. You know, ask people at your hotel, maybe more so than, um, I don't know, people who you meet on the street. Because the people in the hotel or your hostel or what have you, they'll be able to tell you if it really is safe to go out in the neighborhood at night because they're there in that neighborhood that you want to go out to at night. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, just be careful with your belongings. 
Another thing that I usually tell a lot of women, especially women who come from countries where they wear a lot of jewelry, is to try to avoid, avoid wearing so much jewelry in Brazil um, because you will stick out. Um, Brazilian women don't tend to wear a lot of very expensive jewelry. Um, so if you're wearing a huge engagement ring, uh, <laughs> then you will, you will stick out here. Um, and people will know you're a tourist and you'll just be a target. Um, unfortunately, there is the security issue, and I, I don't lie to people and say that people don't get mugged in Brazil, because they do. Um, but it's much less so than maybe what the media makes it up to be. So. Oh, you're going to make it real. Uh, mm. Alrighty, it's time for me to talk again, having a little bit of a connection issue. Um, so I'm yeah, I think I lost you again. <laughs> yeah, um, so um, I was just going to share my experience about um, the shock. Um, I, I know a lot of Brazilians in Vancouver, BC, Canada, where I'm from. I lived in Sydney, a lot of Brazilians there as well. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously there's someone like you who lived in America. When I got there, I had no idea that so few people spoke English. So when we got to Sao Paulo, mm -hmm. um, got to the airport customs, no one was speaking English. Then we're like, okay, taxi, no one's speaking English now. We're like, okay, something's going on here. And then we uh, got to a hotel, we tried to check in. And even at the hotel, we're like, we're in the Republica, which is actually a major part of Sao Paulo. And it was a pretty uh, famous hotel. It was on uh, booking.com. And um, you had a lot of ratings by foreigners. But then we got the check-in, and they're not speaking English either. Very limited. And then we're like, yeah. okay, we're in trouble. And then we went to our first meal. Again, no English. So we're like, okay, honey, time to learn some Portuguese. So uh, <laughs> uh, we definitely uh, had a big shock there because we arrived with assuming, uh, I think I had the wrong assumption. I assumed that Brazilians in Brazil would speak um, maybe just English with accent <laughs> because the, all the Brazilians I knew in all over the world spoke pretty good English even though they had just moved to Canada, the US maybe six months ago, but for some reason they were more educated or maybe more affluent, affluent and they spoke English, they might have prepared themselves. So that was a big shock and I, I definitely tell people to learn the language before that there. Um, so tell us about um, how foreigners, such as myself and other foreigners coming into the country, can get by because obviously uh, it's very hard to learn a whole language if you're coming for a 10-day trip. Um, yeah. So how can people get by if they're just coming for a short trip with little to no Portuguese? Yeah, um, I, that's a big issue that we have, especially with more remote destinations that we want to offer services for, but we can't because they have no guides who speak English. Um, or, you know, the, like you said, some of the hotels don't even have people who speak English. Um, unfortunately, English isn't a language that's taught early on, or it, technically it is, but the, the English education in public schools just isn't that great. Um, and so usually what I do is I tell people to, you know, the first day you arrive in Brazil, even if, it, if, even if it's a little out of your budget, hire a guide to pick you up at the airport and take you to your hotel and help you with like a map of, you know, where to go, what to do. And, you know, because most, all the major cities are going to have very, uh, are going to have English speaking guides who speak excellent English. And if you're coming to Brazil, you're most likely going to be landing in a city like Rio or Sao Paulo or um, 
Salvador or Manaus or Recife. So those are all major cities that you're going to be landing in. And in those cities, you can get guides who speak great English. But it's not guaranteed, like you said, that the person at the hotel is going to speak English, that your taxi driver is going to speak English. And if you're coming from abroad, you might not have um, internet on your phone for you to help the taxi driver find where you're going. Um, so I usually tell people, you know, even if you don't have the budget for a guide for like a day tour or whatever, because a lot of the bigger cities also have like free walking tours and that sort of thing. Hire a guide for when you first get to Brazil because they're going to help you with that transition from where you came from <laughs> to the city you just arrived in. Um, in some cities or in some destinations, then you're just going to need to hire a guide anyway. So like if you're going to the Amazon, if you're going to the Pantanal, or if you're going to a more mountainous region where you're going to need some sort of orientation, then um, you're going to need to hire a guide anyway. But a lot of people think that you can just arrive in a city and get by. <laughs> um, because everyone speaks English in major cities. But unfortunately, it's not the case here. And it's it's cool, too, to have this connection with the guide on your first day because it's like you make an automatic friend as soon as you arrive. Um, yeah, and I did a lot of uh, pre-networking before I got to Brazil. So I had uh, friends in quite a few of the major cities, um, either my own friends or network or friends of friends who said, mm -hmm. meet my buddy in Rio and meet my buddy yeah. in Rio and meet my buddy in Salvador. So we ended up meeting people along the route who knew English, so that was definitely helpful. Um, yeah. You mentioned the uh, free walking tours, those are awesome. In Sao Paulo, we did all four. Uh, yeah. We did uh, Via Medellina, we did, um, we did um, Paulista Avenue, uh, we did Republica, and then, um, you know, we did, we did all of them. In Rio, we did one as well. And uh, yeah, and then in Salvador, we did a walking tour too. So highly encourage uh, everyone to do those walking tours. It really gives you a, different insiders look into the city. Um, yeah. that's a, another big surprise for me is that there were no, uh, not many other foreigners. I mean, uh, one of the other kind of unique things about Brazil is it's hard to tell who's a foreigner and who's not yeah. uh, because uh, there's such an intermixing um, of cultures and ethnicities. So uh, there's a lot of European immigrants who've come there. Um, there's the indigenous people in the north and then there's um, African people. So, uh, uh, and uh, like even some Japanese in Sao Paulo. So it was very hard to tell who is actually a local. So yeah. uh, I was like, oh, that person looks like they're foreigner. They might speak English, but then they're just like a, a full on Brazilian. So uh, it was definitely um, a little bit weird uh, for me um, to be in such a multicultural place, but very uh, multicultural yet unilingual, um, uh, yeah. very unique. I mean, we have multicultural, like for example, in Canada, US uh, and unilingual in terms of it being English, but this is like multicultural, unilingual, non-English, so very unique, unique, um, I found. Yeah, you mentioned doing some pre-networking before arriving. Um, another th place that you can go to is they're actually, in the bigger cities at least, there are lots of expats and lots of expat networks. So if you do want to find somebody who speaks your language, who um, maybe also has the same sort of <clears throat> perception of the place as you do, you know, if, if you look up like Facebook groups, it's like expats and such and such a city or such and such a place. Um, <clears throat> I know that those are good places for you to find someone who speaks your language without having to search for a Brazilian who maybe speaks English or speaks whatever language you speak. Um, they're actually, and uh, the expats who live here, they're actually, um, this year they've become some of our biggest clients because they're here in Brazil and so they want to travel the country. And so most of them will also be able to tell you about other parts of the country and not just where they live. 
Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. There are definitely different Facebook groups. There's also meetup.com, and there's like English-speaking meetups in the major cities. There's even a couch surfing. Uh, so it might be like people who have gone overseas from Brazil, and now they've come back and they want to practice English. So uh, they may be able, be even able to host you or even take you around uh, through the couchsurfing.com website. There's also Internations, which is a great website for uh, expats around the world. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of great resources. Uh, yeah. Pollyanna, uh, tell us about the food. Uh, part of the reason why people travel is for food. And I think a lot of us know the major cuisines like Chinese, Japanese, um, Mexican. But I think um, Brazilian hasn't hit the world stage like those other cultures I mentioned, uh, maybe with the exception of Churrascaria. Uh, there are Churrascarias in Vancouver, BC, Canada, where I'm from. And over there in Sydney, when I lived there, there was some. But I, I, I didn't even know if people know what a churrascaria is necessarily. But uh, tell us about some of the um, famous Brazilian food and gastronomy that people must try when they visit the country. Sure. Um, <clears throat> well, food is one of my favorite reasons to travel, too. So <laughs> um, it's actually a loaded subject for me. Um, I think one of the reasons why Brazilian food hasn't really hit you know, this sort of mainstream perception of what of what it is, is because the food here is very regional. So the churrascarias that a lot of people know outside of Brazil are, you know, typical steakhouses from the southern part of the country. So if you go to the northeast, you'll have churrascarias, but it's not a typical dish from that part of the country. It's typical, typical sort of restaurant from the south. Um, I think one thing that most people will see in most parts of the country is feijoada, which is like a bean stew with um, pork sausage and um, different beef and pork cuts inside of the stew, and then it's served with rice and farofa. Farofa, I think, is pretty much um, Brazilian anywhere you go in Brazil. It's like a, it can be used with either manioc or corn flour, and you can uh, chop up anything from onions to bacon to carrots to any sort of um, vegetable or meat <clears throat> uh, and it's just a loose sort of side dish it's almost like a stuffing but it's not uh, dense like a stuffing it's loose I'm sure you had it when you were here <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um, um, I had it and I don't know if I liked it that much it was very hard to get accustomed yeah. to it's a quiet taste and I love the cheese balls. Tell us about those. One place I haven't talked about yet is where I'm actually from, and that's Minas Gerais. Um, is considered most typical from Minas Gerais, but you can also find it all over the country. You can go to a hotel in any part of the country and you'll find Ponchiquejo. It's uh, cheese bread, but it's actually made with cheese and tapioca flour. Um, and it's typical of Minas because Minas is uh, the cheese state. It's where we have most of the cheese production in the country. Um, and it's, we have it pretty much, at least in, in my house, we'll have it for dinner sometimes. <laughs> we can have it any, any time of the day. Um, and it's a really nice treat, especially for like, one thing that's, that's cool about Brazil too is I mentioned that we have like the bean stew and that sort of thing, but we also have a variety of dishes, and our staple, the rice and beans, um, pretty much anyone can eat. So if you have any sort of diet restriction, you have rice, beans, and you know some sort of typical vegetable or legume, um, and you know pretty much anybody can eat that. And that's a Brazilian dish. That's our staple. Um, 
But I, I would say if you're really into fish and seafood, you need to go to the Northeast. Um, if you're really into beef, you have to go to the South. If you're really into freshwater fish, go to the Amazon or the Pantanal um, or any other part of the central region. If you're really into cheese, go to Minas. <laughs> um, Minas also has, Minas is also considered one of those states that has the best comfort food. Um, so a lot of stews and a lot of uh, warmer dishes um, and a lot of bean dishes as well. Uh, let me think. I guess, I don't know, there's, there's too much <laughs> for me to think of, but I think what's most, what I said about rice and beans and, you know, any other sort of um, main dish would sort of be our staple day-to-day -day food. Yeah, the food was amazing. I really uh, love the diversity, like you said, the, the meats, the seafoods, the cheeses, the breads, like, um, and also the desserts. Like, um, we were uh, taking uh, the bus a lot. I mean, uh, uh, speaking of transport, there's no real trains anywhere except in Curitiba area, mostly, <laughs> or in the subways, obviously, in like Sao Paulo, Rio, etc. There's et one from Vitoria to Belo Horizonte. Okay, there you go. Uh, but <laughs> mostly you're taking buses, and uh, when you stop at the bus stations, uh, they have these big smokers boards, buffets, and they have uh, desserts galore, and also even for breakfast, they have desserts and cakes galore. So uh, that's a little hidden part of uh, Brazil. I didn't know that you guys are such uh, big dessert fanatics. Yeah, um, and we like our desserts really sweet. I'm not much of a sweet person, um, but there are some desserts that are that I love. So brigadeiro is also something that the docinhos. They're small. Um, we call we call them candies when we try to translate it, but they're chewy. Um, and the brigadeiro is made with chocolate and chocolate sprinkles around it. Uh, and then there are different kinds. You can have a docinho with coconut or with peanuts and that sort of thing. And they're really common at kids parties or just any sort of party. Uh, but you can also just buy them at the the bus station or the cafe or whatever. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely love the food. So, Pollyanna, you definitely uh, have been very insp inspiring and informative, um, and uh, I'm glad we're able to do this interview. If people wanted to connect with you to find out more info, to pick your brain, to book a tour, uh, to ask more questions, uh, what is your website? How can people connect with you? And what do you offer uh, people who are potentially interested in coming to Brazil? Sure. Um, you can find us. Our website is Viare Travel. It's V I A R E Travel.com. And you can email me at Polly at Viare Travel.com. It's Polly with one L <laughs> and with a Y. And um, pretty much what we offer is anything you need in Brazil. So we'll do anything from domestic flights to accommodations, to um, booking tours, and <clears throat> booking restaurants, and anything in between for you. Where we can also do just sort of creating a, an itinerary and a plan for you, and then you can book everything yourself. Because some people just prefer to do that, they just want sort of the orientation. Um, and we'll obviously be here for you 24-7 when you're on the ground in Brazil. Uh, one thing that's special about our agency is that we focus on responsible travel. So if you do book with us, then you'll certain you'll be booking with local accommodations. Your tours will have some sort of cultural, educational, or sustainable edge to them. Your accommodations will most likely be sustainable as well. 
And for every flight in Brazil that you take with us, we plant a tree <laughs> um, to give back to the environment. Um, it was sort of the balance we found for, well, we have to sell flights, but we need to help out somehow as well. And um, yeah, so if you want a cultural and educational experience in Brazil, you can count on us. We're also on Facebook and Instagram as Biati Travel. What does the company name mean? Uh, is it a Portuguese name? It's a combination of two Portuguese words. Uh, vi viare, the VIA comes from viagens, which means uh, travels or holidays, and responsável, which means responsible. It's pretty much responsible travel. Responsible travels. <laughs> awesome. And, uh, you know, uh, great that you have that little slant to what you're doing as well, because I think that's uh, a big, um, um, I guess, a trend, if you want to call it a trend in the uh, tourism industry, is being mm -hmm. responsible. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I just want to quit, share a quick story before we end here. I'm actually in Trinidad currently, and uh, my friend uh, inspired me to do a traveler's cleanup. And we went to a beach here in Trinidad, um, um, and we saw all this garbage everywhere. And it was very sad because Trinidad has some of the most amazing beaches in the world, as does Brazil. And uh, there was all this garbage. There was uh, plastic bags and bottle caps and um, just litter everywhere. So me and my kids, we actually just started. Uh, I just gave them a task. He said, you have 10 minutes. Pick up as many bottle caps as you, as you can. They actually uh, scoured the beach, and they actually found all these bottle caps. They brought them back to um, um, the lawn, uh, the beach chair where I was uh, lying down in, and uh, they had uh, like 20 bottle caps, and we just uh, decided to um, um, throw them away and uh, help out um, the beach, even though we're not living here or anything. So yeah. I, I definitely recommend people can be responsible when you're traveling, you know, um, affecting the communities you're uh, visiting in a very positive way uh, because it's our world, even though it might not be the country we live in. Exactly. And I think it's also important um, to uh, give back to the communities you're visiting. Um, it, you know, not just be a tourist who comes and goes and doesn't really establish any sort of connection to the place. Um, I think when we travel and we go to a destination and we feel like, We've actually, you know, gotten to know the hotel owner who um, grew up there and, you know, who we can share stories with. And we know that we're helping his business grow by staying there. I think that makes our experience a lot more um, <clears throat> special. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I, I have great friends, uh, both before I visited Brazil, but now especially after I have uh, lifelong friends. Uh, so uh, yeah, definitely love the Brazilian people, the Brazilian culture, the Brazilian food, and all the Brazilian sightseeing and attractions. So thank you for inspiring us. You will us certainly today. make friends here, <laughs> no matter Pardon where me? you go. You will certainly make friends here, no matter where you go. Brazilians love tourists. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so once again, uh, give a shout out to your website uh, so people can find it and, um, you know, uh, connect with you there. Sure. It's viaditravel.com, and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at viaditravel. And I'll have links there, viaritravel.com, um, and I'll have links on the YouTube video if you're watching this, and also in the show notes if you're listening on iTunes. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, where we did a highlights, a destination-specific interview with Pollyanna about Brazil. And if you have any questions, make sure you reach out to Pollyanna. Uh, she's definitely willing to help out. Um, um, as you've seen in this interview. Uh, so make sure you subscribe to us too on iTunes and YouTube. Uh, follow us all over social media. We're Digital Nomad Mastery and DigitalNomadMastery.com. 
Uh, happy travels, everyone, and we'll catch you in the next episode.